Here's what I want you to know this morning. We are people of the truth. Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Here's what I want you to know this morning. We are people of the truth. We are people of the truth. And if that is true, then the power for this message this morning comes not from Luke's thoughts or Luke's opinions or Luke's words, but from God's thoughts, his opinions, and his word given to us in scripture. And so we're gonna begin today uh, by reading God's word together. But before we do, let me give you a little bit of context. If you've been with us for a while, you know that we've been going through this series called A Year with Jesus's Best Friend, where we're going through the writings of a guy named the Apostle John. Uh, John was one of Jesus's 12 disciples, and he called himself the one Jesus loved. He was Jesus's best earthly friend. And so for the first few months of the year, we went through the gospel of John, which are these stories from the life and ministry of Jesus that John recorded for us. And then the last few weeks, we've been going through a letter that John wrote to some of the early ancient churches called First John. And today, like Steve said, we're going to be in a couple other letters that John wrote called Second John and Third John. We're going to do both of them in one day, but fear not, because Second and Third John are quite a bit different than First John. Uh, They're a lot shorter. Uh, First John is several chapters long, but second and third John are each only one chapter. They were likely written on just a single uh, page back then in the first century. And whereas on the one hand, first John is kind of this generic letter. It was like a circular letter that made its way around from church to church. Second John was actually written to one specific congregation. And then third John was written to one individual within a congregation. So it's actually possible that all three of these letters would have been delivered at once. We'd have 1 John, the big letter, that's kind of the circulatory letter, and then you'd have 2 John kind of acting as like a cover letter to this specific congregation, and then 3 John just as a letter to one individual, a guy named Gaius in that church. There's your context. With that in mind, we're gonna read Second uh, and Third John together. The words will be on the screen. I'll read the words in white. I'd like you to read out loud the words in yellow. And as we go, I think you'll notice some common themes throughout, themes like truth and love and obedience and hospitality. Uh, here's what John writes in the book of Second John. He says, the elder, that's John, he's referring to himself and he's an old man here writing to a church that he knows and loves. He says, the elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children. Now that's just the way of referring to the church. He's talking to the church here. He says, whom I love in the truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Now, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. 
Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. That's the book of 2 John. Now we're gonna jump into 3 John. You'll notice some similar themes, truth, love, obedience, hospitality, but this one is not written to a congregation. It's written to one individual, a guy named Gaius. We're gonna meet a couple people here in 3 John. Gaius, on the one hand, is given to us as a positive example, but we're gonna meet another guy named Diotrephes, who's given to us as a negative example. Same thing, you guys read the words in yellow. Here's what John writes in the book of 3 John. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they're strangers to you. They've told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. For it was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I'll call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is spoken well of by everyone and even the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not wanna do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we'll talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send you their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. This is God's word. Will you join me in prayer as we begin today? Father God, if there is to be any power in this message today, I know that there is no particular power in my words, my thoughts, or my opinions. Yet there's great power, Lord, when you speak. For when you speak, God, you make something out of nothing. So as you did in the beginning, we ask that you would do again now, that you would speak, and in so doing, you would fashion us into a new creation and make us more like you. We thank you for your word, Lord, it is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. When you speak, Lord, your words are living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Your word, Lord, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So we simply ask today that you would speak and that you would give us ears to hear you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
We are people of the truth. Two simple things today that I want you to do with the truth and then we'll be done, okay? Two simple things today that I want you to do with the truth and thing number one is this, protect the truth. Protect the truth. Uh, We're living in a world right now where the truth is being threatened and you guys hear the things that people say just like I do, things like, hey, uh, you be you, you decide what's true for you, do whatever makes you happy. Nobody else can tell you what's true for you. It's very obvious looking around that we see people who are thirsty and they are consuming these lies, but that's like drinking salt water, trying to satisfy your thirst. Which is why John, in these two letters, emphasizes over and over again the power of the truth. He says things like, hey, the truth is with us. The truth is in us forever. Watch out for people who aren't speaking the truth. We are working together for the truth. He says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. And that's true, isn't it? Uh, Earlier this week, our middle son, Cal, he's two years old. He's riding around in the back of the van. He just made up a song. He starts singing to himself and he's singing, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus. Oh man, I have no greater joy. No greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. And can I just tell you that as your pastors, and I think the elders would all say amen to this, we have no greater joy than to see you walking in the truth. And this has been a challenging year in many ways. where It's hard to know what's true sometimes. And there's a lot of lies that you guys come in contact with every single day, but we have such great joy in seeing those of you who are committed to knowing and living and walking in God's truth. Well done and keep, keep going, church. Don't give up. Protect the truth. This is so important, in fact, that John, the guy who's the apostle of love, the guy who just told us to practice hospitality, he actually adds a caveat here. He says that there are some people we're not supposed to show hospitality toward. He says, don't let false teachers into your home. Don't let lies, he says, anywhere near your house. Second John, verse 10, we read it. He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Now, what John is not saying is, don't show hospitality to anybody who has a different opinion than you. Like, he's not talking about like people who are on the other side of the masks thing or the vaccine thing or voting or anything like that. He's talking about people who deny the nature of Jesus, people who are teaching something false about the Lord. Because there was a lot of false stuff going on around about Jesus back then. And so, so John says, hey, don't let lies anywhere near your house. You gotta protect the truth. Now, back then, there were some false teachers going around who were denying Jesus's humanity. They were saying, well, yeah, sure, we believe that Jesus was God, but, but a man? No, 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 no way. He, he wasn't a man also. And, and, and so then the, the, the teaching changed, and years later, there would be people who denied Jesus's divinity. They said, well, yeah, sure, Jesus was a man, I get that, but, but Jesus was God? That's, that's ridiculous, no way. And it's always been something. Now, probably the most controversial thing about Jesus is what Jesus said about himself in John chapter 14, verse six, when Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And the world doesn't really like that idea that Jesus is the only way. Whatever it is, the the specific teachings come and go, but following Jesus and taking him at his word has been and always will be controversial. Protect the truth about Jesus, John is saying. Uh, There's a preacher by the name of Bob Russell. You might recognize his name. For many years, he was the uh, senior minister at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a huge church. And Bob, he's an incredible man. He's a godly man. And he has taken many bold stands uh, for the truth throughout his years. But he tells a story also of one time when he took the easy way out. You see, as a megachurch preacher, Bob was often invited to come and, and pray or facilitate at community events or civic functions. And so one time he's at this event when the organizer of the event catches him beforehand, uh, right before he gets up to go pray. And she says, hey, listen, uh, you know, we, we, we have a lot of different people from different backgrounds here. 
And, and Bob knows what she's asking. She's saying, hey, can you just pray some kind of generic prayer that's not gonna offend people of other faiths? And so Bob, when he gets up to pray, he, he starts his prayer by saying, dear father, that's pretty safe ground. There's a lot of religions that use the term father. But Bob knew it wasn't the beginning of his prayer that was gonna be the issue. It was the end of his prayer because he knew what Jesus said in John chapter 16, that my father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. And so as Christians, traditionally, a lot of the time we close our prayers by saying something like, in Jesus' name, amen. And so as Bob kind of starts winding down his prayer, he ends up closing his prayer by saying, uh, I pray all these things in the name of the lion of the tribe of Judah, amen. He sits back down, feeling kind of smug about himself because he just managed to pray in Jesus' name and nobody had a clue. He kind of snuck it in there, right? But upon reflecting on that, uh, Bob said this. He said, you know, some might call that creativity, but I call it cowardice. I wimped out, he said. He said, so after that, I decided that I would always pray in Jesus' name. And he said, and since then, I've noticed two results. Number one, I feel better about my witness and number two, I get fewer invitations to pray. <laughs> the world is always gonna want us to soften our stance on Jesus, but we will always be a church that protects the truth. We have elders at this church, and one of their jobs is to serve as the watchdogs, the guard dogs of our doctrine to make sure that we do not stray from the truth of Jesus the truth that Jesus is fully God and fully man and that God sent his son, the eternal son of God, came down to earth and that he was born of a virgin and that he spent his entire life here on earth wandering around and teaching and doing miracles and healing and showing us who the father was and what the kingdom of God looked like and that eventually he was crucified for that, for his claims to be the son of God and the Messiah and he was dead, he lay dead in the tomb but on the third day, on Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. 40 days later, he ascended into heaven where he is right now, alive, seated at the right hand of God ruling and reigning over everything and one day he will return and he will reestablish his kingdom making all things new. This is the truth about Jesus and this is the truth that we will protect. And so in discerning the lies and in protecting ourselves against the lies, the best way to do that is just to keep soaking in that truth over and over and over and over again. Uh, when we were first married, um, my wife, Rebecca, she worked at a bank to put me through school because somebody had to bring home the bacon and get a real job, and it wasn't gonna be me. Um, and so she, she worked at a bank, she, she did great, and, and part of her job was to like watch out for counterfeit money. And it was fairly often that she would find these counterfeit bills, these bad bills that people were trying to pass off. And it was interesting that in part of her training to f determine between the real money and the fake money, they didn't have her like go study all the different ways that people were making counterfeit money for hours and hours and hours. What they had her do was just study the real thing. Just look at the real money over and over again. Get to know it so well, what it, what it looks like, all of its features, what it feels like. And in so doing, spending so much time with the real thing, it got to the point that if anything immediately looked even a tiny bit different or felt even a tiny bit different, she'd know right away, that's a fake. And so we do the same thing. Every time you come here, we're gonna soak in the same old gospel story over and over and over again. We will never go on, move on from it. We're only gonna go deeper into it. And this is why it's so important to you every single day are in God's word, soaking yourself in the truth so that anytime something shows up that's a lie, that's even a little bit different, your radar goes off. We wanna be a church that protects the truth because just as God has given the elders to this church as the watchdogs of our doctrine, God has given you to your house as the protector of truth. To not let lies anywhere near your house. 
We are living in an amazing time where we can be exposed to so many different points of view and opinions, and it's incredible, you know, but sometimes it's hard to know what's true. And I'm not even talking about like the whole fake news thing. We won't even get into that today, okay? I'm talking about like you guys can go, and if you want to, you can listen to sermon podcasts and watch church services, and you can hear so many preachers at any time you want to who are so much better than Steve and I. Please don't nod your heads to that. Stop it, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, and it's, it's amazing. You could read so many books, so many devotionals, and there's so much good stuff out there. And so much of it is not good. Almost all of it sounds good, but a lot of it's just salt water. And sometimes it's hard to discern what's, what's real, what's not, what's true, what's not, how to move past the slick presentation and get to the actual hard grains of truth beneath. So, hey, ask your group leader for advice. If, if you have questions about material or teachers or beliefs or doctrines, come talk to us. We love to walk with you because we have no greater joy than to know that our children are walking in the truth. We wanna help you with this as a church. This also means really practically, if you're a grandparent, you have been entrusted with the sacred task of passing down to the next generation the stories of God's faithfulness. Will you pass the truth to your grandkids? Will you tell them the stories of who God is and what he's done? This means if, if, if you are a teacher, you have been given the awesome job of being a herald of truth from one generation to the next. You get to pass the truth on. That's an incredible task. Take that seriously. This means that if you're a parent, You are the gatekeeper of the content that enters your children's minds. And our kids have so much information, so many incredible things. The world is at our fingertips. It's amazing. So many wonderful opportunities come with that. But they're also, as they're exposed to so many ideas and personalities and influences, we don't have to dig very deep into the statistics. You can look it up if you want to about what things like social media are doing to the mental and emotional well-being of our young people. They are in desperate need of a gatekeeper, somebody who is more wise than them, has more experience than them, who's gonna set some boundaries so that we can make sure our children are walking in the truth. We consider this one of our highest callings as a church to help equip parents and to walk alongside our kids to make sure that we are all walking in the truth together. Really practically, that means you need to be here means you need to be here week in and week out in person so that your heart and your mind are shaped to the point that you know a lie as soon as you hear it so you can recognize it and you can call it out and I know it's hard sometimes look I've got I've got kids I know sometimes they don't want to be here and you don't want to force them to come because then it feels fake but listen listen I make my kids brush my teeth or no I don't (laughs) that was a good one wasn't it (laughs) somebody write that down Uh, (laughs) I make them brush their teeth. I tried the other one one time and it didn't work very well, but (laughs) I make my kids brush their teeth (laughs) even when they don't want to because I care about their dental hygiene. And I'm gonna make my kids come to church even when they don't want to because I care about their soul. Protect the truth. Second thing is this, because we are a people of the truth, we wanna protect the truth. And second thing is, we wanna practice the truth. We wanna practice the truth. Back in the first century, when John is writing here, hospitality was not just an optional thing. It was a really crucial thing for Christians because as Christianity is this new thing that's just exploding all over the Roman empire. So there's these traveling Christian teachers and missionaries going from church to church and city to city and motels weren't really reputable places to be. They weren't what they are now. And so they really relied, these Christians traveling around, they relied on the hospitality of their brothers and sisters to get by. And so John introduces us to these two men here in the book of 3 John. We met them, you remember? Gaius and Diotrephes. 
And we see Gaius as a positive example, that he is protecting the truth and practicing the truth, and he's showing hospitality. But we also see Diotrephes as a negative example. Uh, he's, he's gossiping, he's controlling, he's inhospitable. And why? Third John verse nine, John says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes who, what? He, he loves to be first. Sheesh, is that convicting for anybody else today? <laughs> you know, notice that there's nothing wrong with Diotrephes theology. John never says that Diotrephes was a, was a false teacher. He didn't say he believed anything wrong. I bet Diotrephes did protect the truth. Yeah, I bet he was clearly a person of influence in the church. Maybe he was even a teacher of great spiritual truths, but he didn't practice it. John says actually later in verse 11 that anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. It's possible to know and protect the truth, but not see God John is saying that if you have seen God, then you will practice that truth by showing hospitality to those around you. So as we wrap up today, let me just give you two real practical ways to show hospitality as we practice the truth together. Sound all right? Here's thing number one. Show hospitality to kingdom workers. Show hospitality to kingdom workers. John says this about these traveling kingdom workers, these teachers and missionaries in 3 John verses seven and eight. He says it was for the sake of the name that they went out receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people that we may work together for the truth. We are called to support and show hospitality to people who are doing God's work and need our support. That's why the prodigal son's coming back next week and Mark Proctor's gonna be here and he's traveling around to to do God's work and to promote the truth. And we wanna show hospitality to him and welcome him and we hope you'll join us for that. That's why as a church, we support ministries and missions all around the world. We're honored that Enoch and Lydia Nyador are here with us today. And right after the sermon, we're gonna get to pray for them and to hear what God is doing through them to spread his truth throughout the country of Ghana. We praise God for that and we wanna support that. And, and that's why we have the mission house here on our, on our property that we want missionaries to come and stay in free of charge. This is why it's so important that you're giving to the church, to be quite honest. God is saying, and John is saying here, like, if you know the truth, if you protect the truth, then you need to practice the truth by supporting God's work. So contribute financially to what's going on here. If, if, don't just be a consumer, be a contributor so that the gospel and the truth can go to every corner of the globe. But it's not just the church. We can't just rely on the church. Do this in your own life too. Man, if, if there are ministries and missions that are dear to your heart that we don't support, you support them. And my wife and I, we, we give right off the top to the church. That's the first thing we do. But we have other missions and ministries that we love that we support and we pray for them with our kids. Get a compassion kid, do whatever it takes, but build a culture in your family where you're showing hospitality to kingdom workers. That's the first thing. And here's the second thing. Show hospitality to unbelievers. Show hospitality to unbelievers. I'm sure you're tired of hearing me talk about it, but bear with me one more time. At the beginning of this year, we challenged you to take the one challenge, to pick one person in your life who's far from God and to commit to doing three things for them this year. Pray for them, eat with them, and ask them good spiritual questions. Build a relationship with them through hospitality. Here's why we challenged you to do that. Because we're living in a postmodern society. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but what that means is in a postmodern world, uh, postmodernity rejects the idea of an overarching meta narrative, that there's one big story that applies to everybody that determines absolute truth for each person. Now, postmodernity rejects that idea. So, in a postmodern world, if you want to share the good news, using things like proofs and evidence is actually typically not the best way to go about it. In a postmodern modern world, the best tool that we have for sharing the good news is hospitality. Because in a postmodern world, people want to know if it's livable. 
before they know if it's believable. So here's what that means then. Um, I, uh, I started a graduate school program recently through uh, Wheaton College, and it's not because I'm smart. Like, <laughs> listen, when I graduated from high school and undergrad, I was not summa cum laude or magna cum laude. I was like summa cum hardly, if you know what I mean, okay? Like, praise the lordy. I don't know if that was one of them, but that was me, okay? <laughs> and, and so I, I started this grad school program, and one of the books they had us read is called Evangelism in a Skeptical World or something like that by a guy named Sam Chan. It's a fascinating book. And in this book, he talks about what's called plausibility structures. Sounds boring, but it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, Plausibility structures are these default modes of thinking that every one of us has that our brains use to determine if something is true or untrue, plausible or implausible. For example, let's say uh, I run into you at Brew Burger and we're just catching up, making small talk. And I said, hey, get this. So last week, this like alien spaceship came down and I was in my backyard and it like sucked me up in its tractor beam. And I was like hanging out with these aliens and they took me like to their planet. It was like on the other side of Jupiter. That's why people can't see it. And so we're on the other side of Jupiter and we just hung out. We had dinner on their ship. They took me to their planet, told me about their culture for a few hours. And then they like came back down and they beamed me back down into my backyard. And I realized only one second of earth time had passed. Now, would you believe that? And some of you are like, well, I saw this YouTube video. I'm totally in. <laughs> we'll talk later. Um, but for most of you, as I'm saying that, your plausibility structures in your mind are going ding, 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 implausible, not true. Let me tell you another story. 2,000 years ago, God came down as a little baby and he was born to a teenage girl, except she was a virgin. And then he, he grew up and, and she did some, uh, you know, he did some amazing things and he like healed people, even brought dead people back to life. And he taught some stuff that made some people mad. And so they, they killed him, but then he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he actually rose back to life and he flew up in the sky. And right now he's in heaven and he's ruling over everything. But actually, if you trust him and you do what he says, then when you die, your soul leaves your body and it goes to be with Jesus in heaven. And then one day Jesus is gonna come back and he's gonna resurrect all those bodies and your soul is going to be reunited with your body and Jesus is going to make all things new and you're going to get to rule his kingdom with him forever. Do you believe that? Okay, if you're a Christian, your plausibility structures, I hope, are going ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that sounds right. Why? What's the difference? So in this book, Sam Chan talks about there's three factors that influence our plausibility structures. Experience, evidence, and community. Now, for most of us, we'd like to think that evidence is the biggest factor, right? That I'm an objective, reasonable, logical person, and I'm going to follow the facts wherever they lead, just like Sherlock Holmes, and that's how I'll determine what's true. Now, we'd like to think that. But actually, for every one of us, the biggest factor determining your plausibility structures is community. Community. For example... I'm standing up here, I tell my UFO story, and the people around you are like, yeah, right, didn't happen. And so it's pretty easy to blow that story off. Imagine, though, I'm standing up here telling my UFO story, and the people around you are like, hey, same thing, me too, last week, you know? And like three or four people come up here, and they're like, yeah, Luke, man, we saw you there. You were on the ship. I didn't know if it was you. That's why I didn't say hi. But the same thing happened to us. It was wild, wasn't it? And then you go home, and on the way home, your spouse is like, honey, uh, I've been meaning to tell you this. I just couldn't think of how, but Luke's sermon, I guess, kind of broke the ice, and the same thing happened to me, honey. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it did. You know, and, and, and if all that happened, you'd be a little more inclined to check it out right? Or at least to see what's in the water, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Same thing with the story of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, we, we believe the story of Jesus because of the experience of what he's done in our lives and because the evidence that we believe it's actually true, but we also largely believe it because of the community 
Because billions of people for 2,000 years who are way smarter than us have believed that it is true. And this community has influenced our belief. So this has massive implications. Number one, church is incredibly important. Being a part of a community of faith. Bringing your kids into a community of faith so they know, hey, I'm not the only one who believes this. This is livable. I'm a part of a bigger story here. This also means that it's hugely important to get our unbelieving friends around our believing friends. That when you show hospitality, when you don't just protect the truth, but you practice the truth around them, and they see you guys collectively as a community living out your faith in how you parent your kids and how you invest in your grandkids and how you deal with your difficult boss at work, and when they hear around your dinner table the ways that you're processing the things going on in the world as a Christian, and you gotta process it like a Christian, we need to work on that sometimes, right? But as, as they hear this, they're gonna know all of a sudden, this thing's actually livable which means it's also actually probably believable as they see you not just protecting the truth, but practicing the truth. And my prayer for us as Plainfield Christian Church is that Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life who lives in us would shine through us to such a degree that when people see us, they would see the truth, that they would know the truth, and that the truth would set them free. Let's pray. Jesus, Thank you so much. You are the truth. We believe this for many, many, many reasons, Lord. But we also believe this because we get to be together as your family. And so we ask, Lord, that as your people, as the people of the truth, you would send us out and you'd shine your truth through us to a world that so desperately needs you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.